came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come into America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here Sunday morning. We have a great show. We have Senator Ron Johnson, Dr. Peter Michalos, Attorney General from Virginia, Jason Mayores, Frank LaRosa wants to run for Senate in Ohio, and uh, Ambassador John Bolton, Steve Cates on the skies, and we have an interview that we've done previously on Dr. Henry Kissinger. Ed Cox, the son-in-law of President Nixon, who Henry Kissinger made his fame with, had a few comments a few days ago. Well, Henry Kissinger was very fortunate to work with a president of a great intellect who respected great intellect, which Henry Kissinger had, and also had the ability to execute on things. And uh, he, President Nixon, was determined that he would help solve the Vietnam War, which is a big issue of the time, by going to China and then going to to Moscow. He told me that in February 68. That's what he was going to do. And he chose Henry Kissinger to be the person who was going to do it with him. For that, Henry Kissinger got the Nobel Prize for negotiating. But if it had not been for the December bombing, there would not have been the peace. The second thing was the Yom Kippur War. Very heroic. Send anything that flies, said President Nixon. Let's get the assistance that Golden Mayer wanted. What she want? Double it and send it to her. And again, it was Kissinger who then got it executed and afterwards followed up with the negotiations uh, that resulted in, in the end, laid the basis for Sadat traveling to Israel and recognizing Israel. I interviewed Henry Kissinger a few years ago, and I thought it'd be very nice to hear it one more time. Today is Israeli Independence Day, and uh, it's a special day in history. Uh, With us today is Dr. Henry Kissinger, he was part of history. He was there when all, everything happened. Dr. Kissinger, how are you this morning? I'm well, and uh, I'm glad such a program is being conducted. Uh, tell us uh, about when Israel was formed. I understand uh, your, your family fled uh, Nazis in 1938. That's correct. We left, we left Germany because of Nazi persecution in 1938, and came to the United States. And uh, tell us about when you were with uh, President Nixon, and you were part of of taking care of world history and policy. Tell us your memories about that. Well, in 1973, uh, Arab neighbors attacked Israel on... Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Israeli uh, year, and when most of the Israelis were in synagogues, and uh, they gained some initial successes. So this was an attempt. The United States 
made it clear that it would support Israel from the first day on, and we started supplying Israel with military equipment starting with the initial period. The United States, Israel is more one of the United States' most important uh, allies in that area. Uh, tell us about all the Jared Kushner uh, made peace with the Arabs and, and uh, with Israel. Were you proud of Jared Kushner? How do you feel? I think Jared Kushner conducted a really extraordinary diplomatic campaign. He convinced. The, some of the key Arab states to separate the issue of the future of Palestine from the immediate issues of improving the life of the uh, Arab populations under their immediate control, and uh, he managed to gain a recognition by the United Arab Republic and later on other Arab states of of Israel and still leaving open the possibility the possibility of a later negotiation with Israel it was a very successful effort on which we can still build in the future what do you see in Israel's future? Uh, do you feel that the Arab states will continue to uh, make peace with them? And, and how do you feel about Iran? I think Iran, under its present government, is a permanent threat to stability in the region and uh, even more so to the security of, of Israel. And they are in the process of creating a nuclear capability. So they are a major factor for instability in the region. And Israel has very courageously uh, stood up against it. And uh, uh, is you feel that Israel, is there any possibility that you think the Nuclear weapons are going to be uh, in Iran's hands in the future? Every American administration has declared that they would oppose that. And I have every expectation that we will continue to do so. But it's one thing to oppose it in principle and another to take actual action to prevent it. And that's the big challenge in the nuclear negotiations with Iran. Would Israel do what they have to do to make sure Iran doesn't continue with their nuclear program? Well, they have repeatedly stated that they would not allow an Iranian nuclear program. And if they're driven to extremes, they may even use military force. But it's not their first choice. What else would you like to tell all Americans about 73 years of uh, Israel's independence? How do you feel? Do you feel good about it? Well, what is so amazing in the history of Israel 
instead based initially on a gradual immigration of several hundred thousand Jewish people who were driven out of their homelands and then gradually expanding it to several million. They have maintained themselves in the face of tens of millions of Arab uh, opponents and that they have done so by democratic means and by a very courageous foreign policy. So the existence of Israel and the American support of Israel, a miracle of foreign policy, and we should therefore congratulate Israelis on this day for having achieved so much in a relatively little time. Can I ask you one last question? China, you are the world's expert on China. Is there going to be conflict in the future on China with the United States? I think it is very important for the United States to maintain its position in the Middle East and to defend the freedom and independence of Israel. With respect to China, we must maintain the position that no country should achieve hegemony in the world, but also that China and the United States should attempt to negotiate an outcome of peaceful coexistence. And that is one of the great tasks of our current administration. That would be a wonderful thing because uh, you and President Nixon put the China, China uh, and the United States together, and uh, we have been uh, competitors, we have been allies, uh, uh, competitive allies uh, for many, many years, and we hope for peace for many, many more years. Well, uh, that is my hope also, and we, the, we are the two greatest industrial nations in the world, and a military conflict between us would have uh, disastrous consequences. And so I have favored negotiations uh, as an essential step, and I hope and believe that the administration is attempting that as well. Henry Kissinger was a statesman that's going to go down in history, and he helped the United States and our country a lot. He did make a few mistakes, but let's talk about the greatness.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. This is the Catch Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. With us today is Senator Johnson from Middle America, from Wisconsin. Senator Johnson, what's going on in Washington? Is there any common sense coming? Well, John, well, I I wish I could report there, there was. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily a real optimist when it comes to uh, the federal government doing things that make sense. Uh, r- right now, what we have is, you know, the end of the year rush to get all these things accomplished that we should have accomplished in the normal course of business, which, we, again, this place is so dysfunctional. But in particular, uh, President Biden has uh, submitted this supplemental request to, to fund all the wars. Uh, he's turned down, the Democrats have turned down uh, what the House has already done in terms of $14 billion of support for Israel paid for by our reduced number of IRS agents uh, that would harass middle-income taxpayers. Uh, so they rejected that, and they want to combine that with uh, less popular support. From my standpoint, uh, when I look at the U.S. border, the southwest border, uh, that represent, re- represents a clear and present danger to America. And so what I'm trying to do is leverage President Biden's require or request for support, for example, Ukraine and say, don't get a dollar for Ukraine until you actually pass immigration reform. But on top of that, because we have a lawless administration, we have a president that does does not faithfully execute the laws, we have to require that benchmarks be met, that he actually does follow the law and secure the border over time. And so uh, I'm I'm trying to make sure that the Republicans in the Senate will deny culture on any bill to uh, provide funding for Ukraine that doesn't have benchmarks that the administration has to meet before the funding flows. Have you guys been working any better, or is it still the same stuff that that was going on uh, last year? Oh, it's it's pretty much the same thing. You know, with uh, uh, Speaker Johnson, he didn't uh, allow a CR to expire on Christmas Eve, so we don't, you know, Schumer and and the gang don't have uh, that pressure point, that deadline. But we still have these deadlines coming up. But you, you, you would think this week, for example, in the Senate, we would have brought up another minibus, you know, two or three different appropriation bills, offer it to amendments and pass that and then start uh, working in conference with the House to reconcile the differences so we can pass the final bills and have them be signed by the president. All we did was something, I don't know, maybe 10 nomination votes. Didn't work on any legislation. I uh, don't know that we'll work on any legislation next week or not. Maybe the National Defense Authorization Act. Again, it's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a charade so much in Washington, D.C. here. We're, we're, we're not really doing the work of the American people. 
and that border crisis is the most and one of the most important ones for the American people. You know, enough is enough. You, 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 you can't go keep going on. You can't let these people in. We don't know who's coming and going. It's just not just a problem for big cities like New York City that wanted them to come, right? They, they dubbed themselves sanctuary cities. You got little towns in Wisconsin. 15,000 people have 5,000 migrants there. They don't speak, you know, the same dialect as Spanish. So they have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on translators in their schools. This is devastating little towns all throughout America. It's costing Americans hundreds of billions of dollars to support this migrant flow. And, John, it's been over 6 million people that have, migrants that have been, that have gotten into America and are here to stay. 1.7 of that 6 million number are detected gotaways. We have no idea who these people are or, or where they are. You, you don't think that's a threat to national security when you've got Hamas slaughtering Israelis in, in the brutal manner that they did? Uh, it's a clear and present danger. And the problem is it was the president of the United States that caused this clear and present danger. He took a largely secure border from President Trump and blew it open. The, the people of Wisconsin, don't they realize this? I mean, I know your state is mostly Democratic. Thank God they elected you uh, because you, you want to defend our country. Uh, but don't the ordinary citizens realize what the heck is going on? Well, conservatives do. You know, people listen to talk radio and other conservative news outlets. But, you know, people just get their news from big tech social media giants that are basically owned by leftists or the mainstream media, they're all covering up for the Biden administration. And so, so they're not aware of the full extent of the crisis. The, again, you get 5,000 migrants in a small community, and e- even that is under the radar. And these individuals are, are kind of working in the underground economy. They're being housed in, in apartment buildings, sometimes you know, a dozen or more to a small little apartment. Now, that's the report I'm getting from Wisconsin small towns, but it's the police force that has to deal with it. Ordinary citizens don't necessarily see exactly what's happening because the news media is not reporting it. Let's go overseas for a few minutes. What the heck is going on in Ukraine? There's rumors around that Putin is being pushed to to, to negotiate. Uh, Putin wants to negotiate, is being pushed to negotiate with Ukraine, and and Germany and the United States are pushing it. I mean, I'm going to tell a joke, but it might not be a joke. Is President Biden saying to them, uh, you better go negotiate with Putin, otherwise uh, we're going to take our aircraft carrier away from you. Well, first of all, we have no idea what the Biden administration's end game is in Ukraine. I mean, what I will say, and this is from experience, uh, I was chairman of the European Subcommittee. I've been to Ukraine a lot. I have nothing but sympathy for the Ukrainian people, nothing but contempt for Putin. But Putin is not going to lose this war. This is John Katzmatidis. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WABCRadio.com. What is today's Dr. Peter Mihalos? And uh, he's our historian, he's our uh, medical expert. And uh, Dr. Peter, what tips do you have for us today on, on going forward? And we've lost so many friends uh, in the last few uh, months. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's been a, a challenging time and a challenging year uh, worldwide with so many things going on between uh, diseases and wars breaking out. So uh, taking care of your health is very important. And sometimes it starts with basic uh, health and safety tips. And one of the things that we do every 
day, most of us were riding in a car. And uh, one of the things that's very important is to take care of your car, just like we always talk about taking care of our bodies. And the body of our car needs to be taken care of, too. So as we approach the winter, one of the things to do that nobody talks about is the importance of keeping your tires at the properly inflated pressures, because if one side is different than the other and you press the brakes, guess what? You tend to slide to one side. Or if you don't rotate your tires and you have uneven tread and you hit the brakes, you can go into a spin. One of the things to teach our uh, audience is that when you shop for tires, you have to look for A traction and A temperature. Why A traction? Because you get better grip. And when there's ice, snow, and a lot of rain, and it puts pulls the water behind the tires so you don't hydroplane, which is it's like skiing on water. The other thing is the temperature. Why? Because when you go at high speeds on the highway, it causes heat. And when that temperature rises, when you have an A temperature tire, you're less likely to get a blowout. The other thing is before the winter starts, you want to check your windshield wipers because visibility is very important. Seeing is believing. And now with a lot of these modern cars coming at you with these headlights that are halogen, especially an SUV and you're in a regularly sized car, their headlights are at your eye level. So wearing even sometimes yellow HD type of glasses at nights reduces and cuts glare and having new fresh rubber windshield wipers are very important. Also check your fluid levels on your car. Try not to leave your car on almost empty because the gas lines would tend to freeze more and check your coolant and antifreeze. And those are some of the things and always try to drive safely and carefully and not to speed because we still lose over 40,000 people a year in the United States to motor vehicle accidents. And as we've talked now, we have to be extra careful because we have a new phenomenon of DWI, not only DWI, but so many people who are uh, using uh, various substances and drugs and the uh, police don't have a way to test or measure or to test for these DWI cases. Some of the other things that we want people to do is when they travel is Americans have a tendency to think that their American health insurance will cover them when they go abroad. People are getting ready to travel to the Caribbean and to islands and to Europe, but their American health insurance, including Medicare, which millions of people in the United States are, and then they find out that suddenly they have a large bill or they can't get access to private care or private hospital or medical evacuation to get back to the States. So we tell people, please always ask your travel agent or even online option to get travel insurance, which includes medical evacuation. And usually you ask for 50000 no deductible, so you can get the best possible care and get back. And I know of at least five people who I've told to do that who had to use it, including wow. someone recently in Mexico, and they wanted $5,000 for the CAT scan for the wife who was injured, but fortunately she was covered. Another person who had to be medically evacuated out of a Caribbean island with some fractures, and they basically come with an air ambulance. There's air ambulances that are traveling all over the world, but if you are part of an insurance plan, they're on standby to bring you back or to, you know, even and if that could cost anywhere from fifty to $100,000. Oh, absolutely. It can be a, a lot more if you're in Europe. Yeah. So that's why that's something important to just, just have that. It's very simple to get. And then the other thing is uh, we talked about there's a lot of cases of flu, RSV, and COVID. It's still around. So we encourage our listeners to, as we always tell them, to try to stay healthy, eat a proper diet, keep your vitamin D levels up. You know, shaking hands, if someone has a cold, try not to shake hands with people. You know, be polite, you know, to have manners. If you do have a cold or if you have a sore throat or strep throat, another tip is do not keep using the same toothbrush because guess what? 
it sits overnight, the warm, moist toothbrush, and you keep re-inoculating yourself with the same bacteria or infection. Yeah, so I tell the, people, the, the, the virus, soak it in mouthwash. The virus keeps multiplying overnight on the on the toothbrush. Now, what, exactly. what is the best to so do? What is the best to do with the toothbrush? Uh, maybe put it in peroxide or put it in uh, alcohol. No, you just soak it in soak it in mouthwash. That's all you have to do, and nothing survives in there. And you know, we don't like to push any particular brands, but some of the brands that have been around forever. And uh, you just soak it in uh, a little cup and you put some mouthwash and you soak it overnight. And in the morning, every, you know, nothing survives in the, in the mouthwash because they're designed to kill mouth bacteria. But again, and we talked about not overusing uh, mouthwash because a lot of times you kill some of the good bacteria inside your mouth, which we don't want to do. And even uh, toothpaste, people tend to slob on a bunch of toothpaste. You just need very little just to get the, the teeth gotcha. mechanically cleaned and flossing. Well, Dr. Peter Mihalos, uh, Thanksgiving is over, and uh, hopefully, uh, I can't believe it's three, four more weeks till Christmas, and God bless America. Thank you, John, for uh, sharing all these health tips with the public and keeping people safe and keeping our listeners safe so more, more people can keep listening. You're the one that's doing it, and thank you for the lives you save. Yeah, but you give us the microphone to do it, to get the truth out every week on the Cats Roundtable. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. If you ever miss a segment or want to hear it again, go to wabcradio.com, go to podcasts, go to minicasts, and play back your favorite segment. With us today is Frank LaRose, the Secretary of State of Ohio since 2019, and now he wants to run for the U.S. Senate. He's a Republican and is a three-way primary. Frank LaRose, tell us why people should vote for you. Well, because it's time that we defeat Sherrod Brown, take back the U.S. Senate majority, and put our country back on track. And that's exactly what I will do. The issues that are really on the minds of Ohioans, first and foremost, are the economy. Under Sherrod Brown and Joe Biden, the economy is hurting our families because Wages aren't keeping up with expenses. Uh, we know that there's insecurity on the southern border. I actually served down there as a member of the armed forces as part of a counter-narcotics task force. I saw firsthand what a disaster we have on the U.S. southern border, and we know how to fix it if we have the courage to do so. It means border security. It also means fixing our broken immigration system. The other thing is I'm the only candidate in the race with school-age children. I- I've got an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, three little girls, and uh, I, for one, think it's time that we return to the idea that uh, parents – are the best decision makers about what's best for their children. There's a real arrogance by a lot of bureaucrats at the local, state, and federal level that want to come between parents and their children. I think it's time that we put parents' rights back on the forefront again. And also, American strength abroad. Um, I'll be the first Green Beret to ever serve in the U.S. military. I'm still serving as a, as a Green Beret, as a reservist at this point. I have a very simple concept of this. It's, uh, it's not American strength that creates instability uh, around the world. It's not American strength, which is provocative. It's American weakness, especially under President Biden, that has provoked our adversaries to do bad things around the world. And it's time that we return to the Reagan doctrine of peace through strength. Uh, President Biden has made his share of mistakes for sure, especially Afghanistan, which looks like Afghanistan fueled the confidence in uh, Putin to attack the Ukraine. No question. And for that matter, the leaders in Iran to have their proxies, Hamas, uh, attack southern Israel and kill more Jews on one day than have 
been killed since the Holocaust. I mean, it's a remarkable thing uh, what has happened because of the weakness of this president, not only giving the green light to, to groups around the world that they're going to be able to act with impunity, but allowing Iran to access nearly $100 billion in, in oil revenue. I mean, under President Trump, we had the maximum pressure campaign. Uh, under Biden, it's anything goes with Iran, and uh, Iran pulls the strings, not only with Hamas, but with Hezbollah, uh, with the Houthis, with, with a lot of other bad guys around the world as well. You're absolutely correct. And uh, under President Trump, Iran was producing 400,000 barrels a day, and now they're producing 3.5 million barrels a day for a profit of $2 billion a week. We are at a disadvantage because that $2 billion a week goes to funding all those terrorist groups. No question about it. Listen, when I served in Iraq, uh, we were up against Iranian-backed militias uh, that I served in Iraq in 2006, and the people that we were fighting, the bad guys, we would find Iranian military IDs in their pockets. We knew who, who we were up against back then, and it was a good thing that the last president had the courage to order the strike that killed Qasem Soleimani, a murderous thug who was exporting terrorism around the world. Again, this administration has not shown anything close to that level of strength. So your background was, for two terms, you were a member of the state senate in Ohio. Correct. And then you're Secretary of State now, and now you're running for the United States Senate in 2024, and there's a primary on March 19th. That's correct. I'm happy to say I've got the, the lead by double digits over the rest of the GOP field. It's because Ohioans know me. They know that I'm the battle-tested conservative. I'm the one who's proven that I'm with them on the issues that really matter. But I've also really had a focus on those economic issues. For example, regulatory reform. That may not sound exciting to the average person, but it's the rules and regulations that government is constantly coming up with that really stifles, well, hardworking business owners like yourself. We need to see more Americans living that great American dream that you've been able to live by getting the government the heck out of the way. So regulatory reform, tax cuts, shrinking the private, uh, the public sector so we can grow the private sector. That, that's really been my focus, and that will be in the U.S. Senate as well. Well, our big, my biggest fear is for my kids and my grandkids to come is that the United States of America survives 2076 and that we're still around because if we keep going in this direction, we're in trouble. A lot of great civilizations have not made it past that 250-year mark. Of course, it's, you know, study uh, some of the, these, the history out there. I made a commitment at 18 uh, when I enlisted in the Army that this country is so precious that it's worth dying for. Few things are, your faith, your family. This country is one of those that's so precious it's worth risking your life for. If it's worth dying for, isn't it also worth living for? And I think my generation has the job of making sure that we don't preside over the decline of this nation. We need to leave it stronger, wealthier, more prosperous, and, and more free than it was before us. And if we don't act soon, we're actually going to move in the opposite direction. Well, we'll keep watching your progress. Uh, Frank LaRose, Secretary of State of Ohio, running for the U.S. Senate in 2024 in Ohio, uh, serving our country. You're a vet, Green Beret. God bless you, and help save our country, please. I, I hope to. Thank you, sir. Look us up at franklarose.com for more information. Thank you so much for stopping by. Hey, thank you, sir. Joining us now is the 48th Attorney General of the great state of Virginia, Attorney General Jason Mayares, joining us now. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, boy, uh, what's your big vision, first of all, for Virginia? There's a lot on your plate. Well, you know, I like to. I was just uh, with with Governor Youngkin, and I like to joke. I don't feel like I'm the Attorney General of Virginia. I feel like I'm the janitor of Virginia because we have cleaned up a lot of messes, which has both been a challenge but both a joy. 
whether it was this insane parole board letting it, having early release of violent offenders and seeing the corruption that happened there, investigating what happened in Loudoun where we indicted the superintendent of the schools and, and had a trial on, on the great tragedy that happened there with the sexual assaults happening in the schools. And what the Governor Youngkin has done, I think what he has done is remarkable, the Virginia Renaissance, where he has taken Virginia and turned it around. But there's a lot of work we've done, a lot of work to do as we kind of move forward. And, you know, as Attorney General, I have a really fun job. I get to wake up in the morning and sue the federal government, which not many people get that opportunity. But uh, it's something in, in both there and then bad corporate actors like uh, Big Tech and uh, a variety of other investigations. So, it is a busy job, but it is one that uh, we have a lot of joy, and we're doing a lot of great work down in the Commonwealth. What's your biggest problems in Virginia? I mean, in New York, we got the migrant crisis, we got uh, people crossing the borders, we got fentanyl. Give us your your big problems for Virginia. Well, I will say the problem we were dealing prior to 2021 was, I think, actually, it is a crisis that affects the entire country, which is a sense of apathy which is a sense that people felt like nothing can change. But what we think, I think, in Virginia is who you elevate to power and to positions of leadership matter. And we had a problem of we had this total left-wing control that happened in Virginia. They were taking Virginia on the way to California. And we saw a real remarkable turnaround in 2021 after our election where we rolled up our sleeves. We got big things done. We Instead of trying to defund the police, we invested in the police. We, we supported law enforcement. We had $5 billion plus in tax cuts. We rolled back regulations. So I think Virginia in some ways has been a model of what happens when you elevate the right people into businesses, positions of leadership. But candidly, as much as we've done, there is a host of bills and laws that we continue to fight battles with to try to reverse bad, bad laws that got passed before we ever took office that we're trying to overcome. But I would say personally for me, I think our great challenge, one of the great defining moments for us as a country is what we're seeing happening on our college campuses. The fact that you are seeing the most recent poll I showed that a majority of 18 to 24 year olds are siding with Hamas over Israel on our college campuses is simply stunning for me. Because at a time when we need moral clarity, there's total moral confusion. And you have a lot of young people that are really marching with the wrong players. They often hear young people say, we want to be on the right side of history. Talk about being on the wrong side of history. And I had the pleasure before Thanksgiving to go over to Israel for a visit, both meeting with the government officials, but also seeing firsthand the tragedy there. And you see quickly who the, who the good actors, who's the right side and who's the wrong side. And Hamas, by every, by every objective measure, is no different than ISIS, and they need to be defeated thoroughly. And the fact that we're having this moral confusion on our college campuses, I think that's one of the great challenges. One of my favorite quotes from Plato is that the two most important questions for a civilization is who teaches the children and what do they teach them? And I think that is so relevant today. So I think that is our great challenge right now of what's happening in our education system that we have so many young people. I mean, heck, only about a third of 18 to 29-year-olds in America say they have a love of America. So a free society cannot survive if you have an entire generation of young people who don't understand this is indeed that second that last best hope on earth that has given so many second chances so i'd say those are the challenges that we face what do you what can be done to clamp down on where in some cases some of these protests are getting violent uh we've seen them even burning the american flag and one of the things i know uh, you talked about with us too was also going after some of these groups that are potentially funding Hamas through Palestinian right. groups. Uh, what's the status on both of those? Well, I, you know, I would say the first thing to do is you have to reject apathy. 
I think, to realize. I do think there's a silent majority in America that oftentimes gets so disgusted by politics, they stay home. And the world is run by those that show up. So I think it's the first thing is to reject apathy. I think we saw that shift in in Virginia. But I think, particularly on our college campuses, it requires real moral clarity and leadership from our college presidents. So that's one thing we've been encouraging. And in Virginia, our board of trustees, our board that, that, that governs our universities, is our board of visitors. And uh, those are appointed by the governor that's a rolling board appointment. So most of our universities, at least in Virginia, will have majority control by Yunkin appointees in July of next year. That's going to be seismic because I think for too long you've seen in higher ed a lack of accountability. This is John Katz from Katie's. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WABCRadio.com. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. Wizard this morning is Ambassador John Bolton. He uh, still maintains his security clearance. And uh, Ambassador, uh, so many things are happening in the world. Can you give uh, our audience a update of uh, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on with Putin, what's going on with Hamas? Etc. Well, as you say, it's a, it's it's a complicated world, and I think in some senses these these crises tie together, and, and and maybe other threats we could face from China while this is going on. You know, in Ukraine, although it's uh, been out of the headlines because of the conflict uh, with Hamas and Israel, the Ukrainians continue to try and make uh, headway, but the opposing forces, the Russians' defense, is very well dug in and. I think the Ukrainians are worried about possible loss of some American support. I, I hope we're going to find a way to give them the additional military support they need. But right now, that conflict goes on and it remains very bloody. But at this point, stalemated. I'm, I'm worried Putin may seek a diplomatic way out of it and consolidate the territorial gains the Russians have made. So I think it's important we act quickly and try and get the Ukrainians the additional assistance we need. You know, shifting to the Hamas-Israel conflict, obviously the ceasefire broke well, let's, down. Let's, so. let's, stay, let's stay in the Ukraine a second. Uh, Putin almost threatened, or Blinken says to Israel, well, well where was it, in, in Russia or Israel, where Blinken said, said that you don't have any credit and asked them to, uh, to do it uh, Joe, you know, President Biden's way? Yeah. Well, you know, despite Biden's early strong rhetorical support for Israel, he spent most of the last several weeks trying to prevent Israel from eliminating Hamas. Although, interestingly, on Friday, Secretary Blinken had to admit that the cause of the breakdown of the ceasefire for the exchange of, of hostages for Palestinian prisoners was that Hamas had fired a rocket into Israel and it had increased its terrorism, not in Gaza, but on the West Bank. So, look, I think the onus is on Hamas. I think the administration needs to understand that and to give Israel some space here so that they can accomplish the objective the government has said they want to achieve, which is eliminating the threat. And this constant nitpicking and second-guessing the Israelis uh, is not solving the terrorism problem. I, I agree. So we're a stalemate, it looks like right now, with Hamas and, and Israel and until uh, somebody makes the next step. Right. I, I think the Israelis are very determined here. They've got a lot of tunnels to destroy. They've got a lot of Hamas leaders uh, still to eliminate, a lot of Hamas soldiers. And I think that really the problem is what I call the terrorist veto. People say, oh, but it's going to cause so many civilian casualties the, the, the all, as Israel goes into the southern part of the Gaza Strip. The reason for that is entirely 
Hamas cynically, barbarically using the Gazan people, the, the residents of Gaza Strip, its, its own fellow Palestinians, as human shields. Uh, they used the kidnapped victims that they took on October the 7th from Israel as human bargaining chips to buy time, which is what they did during the pause to shore up their own positions, get people out of vulnerable, get their fighters into more defensible positions and, and, and put themselves in a better position to resist Israel's efforts to, to clean them out of the, of the Gaza Strip. And they've been, they've been cheating on their commitments the whole time. You know, really, there comes a point when a country's allowed to defend itself. The, the, the Hamas, in effect, declared war on Israel, and Israel is entitled not just to punish Hamas for what they've done, but to eliminate the Hamas threat. Back to Putin and the Ukraine. What's the next step? Whose step is it? Well, I think the Ukrainians will continue to fight. I mean, this is for them existential, like it is for the Israelis against uh, Hamas. And they've shown great courage, but they need outside assistance. Russia is three and a half times bigger than Ukraine. Uh, it's got a much bigger army. And in a war of attrition, ultimately, if, if we don't help the Ukrainians out, ultimately, Russia will win. I think we need to do a better job of it. I think People in the House and the Senate should press Biden harder to develop a winning strategy with Ukraine, not not just preventing Ukraine from losing, but figure out how Ukraine can win. And I think we've got to be very concerned about a Russian diplomatic offensive that tries to win in the uh, over the bargaining table what the Russian troops can't win, I think, on the battlefield. And that could come at any time. So we need to be ready for that. Ambassador, we covered both of those bases. Uh, anything else you want to tell the American people on a Sunday morning? Well, look, I think one thing to worry about is what the, what the Chinese leadership in Beijing is thinking. They, they see the U.S. and Europe focused on Ukraine, focused on the war in the Middle East. And if, if I were a Chinese communist leader, I'd be saying, with all that attention being focused on those conflicts, maybe this is a time for us to get something in, in uh, the East China Sea or the South China Sea or uh, elsewhere in Asia while the U.S. attention is diverted. So I think that's a real possibility. And I, I think, you know, we need to be able not just to handle Ukraine and, and the Middle East crisis. We, we've got to be on the lookout for threats elsewhere, too. And I, I don't know that the administration is doing that. So I'm worried as bad as things are in, in uh, Europe and the Middle East, we could have a problem in Asia pretty soon, too. Ambassador John Bolton, thank you for everything you've done for America and continue to do for America, and we'll catch up again real soon. Well, thanks, John, for having me on. With us today is uh, Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, a good friend, uh, well, an astronomer, a, uh, a looks to the heavens and gives us what the, what's going on and the mysteries of the week. Uh, Steve Cates, what the heck is going on out there? Well, good morning, John, and good to be back on the Cats Roundtable here. Happy holidays as we move into the month of December. Amazing how fast things happen. A couple of stories, too, here, John. we got two news stories and, of course, our mystery of the week. But it starts off with SpaceX again, John. This is interesting. We know what happened on this, on this launch of the big Starship rocket. You know, they had to blow it up, but they learned a lot. So here's the latest. The Starship 2, that's the booster that's on top of the, uh, on top of the booster, I should say, the rocket itself. They're going to make a new and improved one, 10 meters longer, more fuel and payload. This is the rocket that will get people to the moon and Mars. Less weight, because this is something made out of stainless steel, which is really incredible. And finally, it has new Raptor engines, giving it 20% more thrust. It'll have nine Raptor engines on that second stage, which is the spacecraft, instead of six. 
We all know that the big booster has 33. So, John, it's interesting to see what they're going to do because the reason for the larger size, they're going to have to refuel that big spacecraft, the big you know, upper stage in space. So they got more room. So we wish them well, of course. Have they figured out what went wrong with that uh, previous rocket that blew up? Yes, John. There's actually the 18th of November, and here's what they think they do know now. Obviously, the engines work this time. The separation, they tried this thing called hot staging, where they fired up the engines on that second stage before the first stage burned out. But unfortunately, when they did that release, the big booster rocket was supposed to turn around and, believe it or not, come back and soft land back at the launch pad. Well, things didn't go right, so this time they had to push that destruct button. It's going to be a long learning curve for SpaceX. It's a very expensive learning curve, but I'm confident, just like many in the space industry, this will be the primo rocket system to get us off the planet and then move on to the different planets and, of course, going to the planet Mars. Have they figured out yet how they resist the radiation involved or where they say they, they, they haven't figured it out? At last discussion, they haven't figured it out. They haven't, John, and you're right. The, the problem is with humans on board or animals in space, how much radiation penetrates the hull of these spacecraft? So they really haven't figured that thing totally out. You know, in the 1960s, when we went to the moon with Apollo, many people said, no, we could never have gone to the moon because they would have died going through the Van Allen belts. Well, that wasn't true. Those spacecraft had shielding. But they haven't really perfected this yet. And, of course, this is something that has a big concern for long-duration space missions because guess what? If you and I were to go to Mars on a spacecraft now, it's going to take us nine months minimum to get there. It's a problem that they really need to solve. We'll report on that as we hear what's coming down the pike. But, John, the second story I wanted to mention was this large sunspot group that's on the sun. Just this past week, a big M9 class flare. What's that? That's more than an average powerful flare. This weekend, sky looking into the sky in the northern sky may get to see the aurora borealis. But the concern is the big coronal mass ejection that comes out of this thing later. It travels at 1.8 million miles an hour from the sun. It takes hours and hours to get here. But what are we in right now? We're in the throes of the solar cycle 25, which, of course, may peak right around April. What's to say about that? Very interesting. That's very interesting. Well, we all talk about the mystery of the week, John. This is interesting, too. How did the ancients predict eclipses? Now, this is bizarre because we have the big total eclipse coming up in April. But let's go back into the history briefly. The original predictions of eclipses were done by the ancient Babylonians, and they found out that there's a cycle which we use today called Seros. That's about 18 years, 11.3 days to be exact. Eclipses repeat in a series like this. But John, this is amazing. They had no computers, and what did they do? They marked down their information on clay tablets. But the Greeks, of course, get it even better. They themselves developed a device called the Anti-Kassira Mechanism. Hard to pronounce. What is it? It's a small computer with wheels and dials and numbers. And they, above any group in the world, had the lead on science with this thing like you'd hold in your hand and turn the different dials with numbers. My goodness, John, isn't that amazing how they could figure out eclipses? And today, with our modern computers, it's a cinch to do it. But this is something I've seen, totally I've seen. Time. Steve, I, I've seen that it was mm-hmm. brought to uh, the museum in New York uh, yes. on loan, and mm-hmm. it, it's amazing that it's 2,000 years old or whatever, or, or even older. 
how they did it. I mean, you would think that uh, something like that, somebody had to help them, somebody of more knowledge. I would imagine. Yeah, it's amazing, John. It's almost unbelievable because even then, they didn't have, I mean, they knew about the stars. They obviously knew about geometry, sacred geometry, too. But you're so right. How the heck did they predict this? And they found this under the Mediterranean Sea, you know, encased in all kinds of, you know, debris over the course of thousands of years. But some astronomer actually did one of these. He actually reproduced one. And even he was looking at this going, this is just unearthly, otherworldly, that they've been able to figure out eclipses. Because nowadays, John, we have eclipses right down to the second. We know exactly where they're going to occur. Kudos to both the Babylonians and the ancient Greeks for trying to go out there and doing it successfully, going where no humans have ever gone before at that time to predict these amazing events. This is quite amazing. Well, Steve Cates, Dr. Sky, thank you very much. Uh, uh, all Americans are looking forward to you, listening to you every Sunday morning to, to see what's up. You know, what's up? Well, John, it's a high honor. Happy holidays. And always check us out at WABCradio.com for the latest information on all these realms, including American exceptionalism at the Dr. Sky Experience. Happy holidays to you and your family, John. Thank you for listening to the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning. We'll bring you the latest in what's happening in our community, our country, and the world. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a nice Sunday. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.